Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. Now, in today's episode, we are going to step back and get back to the basics of what it takes to be an effective salesperson in this industry. As I as I look back at the work that we've done on the podcast, I, I never want to lose sight of doing the basics over and over and over again. How do we make it so stupidly easy to buy from us that there's no excuse not to? Well, there's a lot of different ways, but today we are going to drill down on sales process. And, you know, I, I laugh at this because um, Grant makes fun of me. Every time we go into a business to work with them, I nerd out on sales process because it's so important and, and I think it's so life giving. Many business leaders and owners and salespeople are afraid of a process. They think, uh, well, I'm a natural. And, and, and truly, when someone tells me that, I think, okay, you're dangerous. Because like, if I was going to operate like naturally, I don't know who you're going to get. It depends on like, what did I eat for breakfast that day? Like, am I in a fight with my wife? Are things going good? Are things going bad? When you trust your salespeople to naturally helped customers, you, you, you are sinking your business and it's not the right move for you as a salesperson to be a professional means that you have a process that you follow. This doesn't take creativity out of it. I would actually argue that a process harnesses and focuses your creativity, but there must be a process. So we are going to dive into the basics of this today. And, and the example I like to give is that a sales process is not micromanagement, but it is painting lines on the court so your team knows what game to play. If you have not painted the lines on the court, you probably have one person playing hockey and somebody else playing basketball and your customer is suffering because of it. And I would actually argue your installers are suffering because of it. Because there's not a cohesive way that sales is done, your team is hurting. Sales is a journey. And the truth is that it it has steps that happen every single time. Now, every once in a while, a step can get skipped, but very rarely, and oftentimes when a step does get skipped, you pay for it on the back end. That's the mantra of this podcast, slow is fast. If you go slow on the front end with a methodical, deliberate process, you'll be able to run fast on the back end. If you don't do that, as Tim Rethlick would say, it's fast is slow. You speed through at the front only to crash and burn at the end. So we don't want to do that. If I was going to drive from where I live, Portland, Oregon, out to New York City, there's a route that I would take. And there's specific states that I have to go through. That's what a sales process is. It's not, it's not me telling you, well, you got to drive on this highway, you got to stay on this lane, you got to go this fast here. No, 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 no. That's for you to figure out. But I am going to tell you, well, first you have to start in Oregon, and then you go into Idaho. Then you move into Montana, and you, know, you go on to whatever state you're going to drive through. Well, that's how you drive to New York and sales is the same way. So this is going to be a refresher today, but I'm telling you, if you've got team members, send them this podcast. If you're in a leadership position, play this at a team meeting or, you know, rip me off, take the best pieces of this and, and, and 
impart it to your team members because this never gets old. We always have to go back to the basics and I'm excited to dive deep today on the value of a sales process. All right. So as we get started today, I'm really excited to jump into this. And like I said in the intro, these are just some of the very basic things that this podcast was founded on. How do we make it stupidly easy to buy from us? And sales process is the answer. Now, if you've heard this podcast before, you know that I recommend a seven-step sales process. I'm going to just go through those seven steps very quickly, but there's a few different points that I want to talk about today. So we're not going to cover all those seven steps. You can go back to season two of this podcast to get detailed episodes on each of them, but I want to just highlight a few different things. The seven steps in the retail sales process for our industry are this. Step one, greet the customer. Step two, understand their problem. Step three, advise a solution. Step four, make a plan. Step five, call to action. Step six, pursue the opportunity. And step seven, show gratitude. If you can do those things over and over and over again, you're going to find that you are a very successful salesperson. But as, as we talk about this today, I, I want to I talk about a few different concepts within that framework that I think are very important. And the first one is this, sales is a performance art. Now, I first heard this from Tim Rethlake. He works for HHT. You've heard him on this podcast. He is like the guru of sales in the hearth industry. But sales is a performance art. And this is the truth. So like, you know, what is sales? Well, it's an exchange of emotion that is based on trust. I mean, you, you can talk about how it's more things than that. It involves money and goods and services, but, but really it is all built on trust and sales is a performance art because the performance aspect of sales can actually build trust. Now, here's an example of this. So if you are in a sales position, think about the first impression that a customer has when they see you. How do you dress? How do you do your hair? What, what is the, the vibe that you project as you don't even talk, but as you just walk into a business? This is, frankly, all part of the sales process, and you need to think about how you come across. With step one of the process being greeting, part of that greeting is the impression that people get of you. So you need to think about the way that you present yourself. And, you know... When, when you think about it being a performance art, like there's things that you're going to repeat that is like kind of you putting on a show. Like maybe it's a joke that you tell quite a bit. Maybe it's a response when someone says, how are you doing? It, 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 it's a, a formula that you follow when you go through the greeting phase of the sales process. And it's easy to argue like, well, I'm not a robot. I want to be authentic. And like, I get all that. But here's the thing. I'm a huge music fan and I love the band U2. So like if I go to see U2 live, they are going to put on a show. Like they don't just like roll out of bed and whatever they were wearing and show up with like, you know, grungy looking hair and they don't really try to sing well because they don't feel like it and they don't jump around on the stage because they've done it a million times. Like, no, like I get a performance art. I get like Bono making me feel as if this show is just for me, right? I've got like the edge, like rocking out on his guitar, even though he's done it a million times before. It's a performance art and sales is the same thing. 
realizing it's a performance art can actually help you build trust. So like true story, when, when I go out to work and consult with dealers in general, I try to dress nice and I try to be, you know, the nicest person dressed in the room if I can. And the reason why is, is that I know like I'm young and, and there can be some bias there that I have to overcome. These dealers have paid a lot of money to bring me and a lot of times Grant Falco out and they might be nervous about like, is this a good investment? I, you know, I've heard Tim on the podcast, but can he actually deliver like in person? Am I just going to get the same things he's already told me for free or is there, is there more? And I have found that dressing nice is a performance art and that it helps me be taken more seriously. It helps reinforce like, okay, this money is worth it. Like this person is put together and, and this is really important for your customers too. If you don't like that, like you, you just got to get out of sales because it is a performance art. Another thing we'll talk about is that when I'm working on the retail floor with a customer, I always want to have a notepad and, and take notes. And, and I'll usually try to ask them permission. We'll, we'll, I'll try to go there in just a minute, but I want to finish this riff first is that I, I always want to have a notepad. And, and before I show a customer anything, I want to just be asking them questions about the job, taking notes, pointing at my notepad. Oh, okay. Hey, you mentioned that you've got natural gas to this part of the house. Now, do you have a crawl space below your house or an unfinished basement? And I'm looking at my notepad. I'm, 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 I'm referencing it. Well, that's for two reasons. One is keeping notes does actually make me a better salesperson because I understand what's going on. But the appearance of taking notes gives more credibility with the customer right away. In the same way, if I'm going to like watch a keynote presentation, a lot of the time I've got a notepad out and I'm taking notes. Now there's a couple reasons. One is it really does help me understand what's going on better. But two, it helps me be perceived as somebody who takes this seriously and who is trying to learn. And that in and of itself builds trust for what my business is. So it's not that it's like, I don't inauthentic, like I do want to take notes, but I also realize that like in these situations, whether I'm on the sales floor or in a consulting situation with the business, I'm being watched and I need to be aware of how I come across. Sales is a performance art and that's got to be taken seriously. So like my rules with team members, number one is like no hats on the showroom floor. Like, I'm sorry if you like hats, maybe you can convince me with like a super nice custom trucker hat, but in general, I don't want to see a hat on the showroom floor. When you wear a hat, it hides your face and psychologically, it does not build trust with customers. They want to be able to see your face. It's a, it's a human reaction to wanting to, to, to see you and, 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 you know, going back to caveman days, know that you don't have a weapon, you're not hiding something. So for my rules, no hats on the showroom floor. You know, I, I want people to have a dress code that's comfortable and I get like, what's comfortable for you may not be comfortable for me. So like, I'm not going to dictate that like you have to wear a collared shirt or you have to have a shirt tucked in. Like I want you to be comfortable, but I want you to be professional and clean cut, like whatever that looks like. And there's a lot of flexibility there. Like it doesn't mean you can't have a beard and I, and I'm totally down for like a, uh, a logger vibe inside of a, 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 you know, wood stove store, but there's still a professionalism and there's a cleanness about it. So I know that this is supposed to be about sales process and, and so far we're just talking about sales being a performance art, which which really falls into step one of the process, which is greeting. All the things that you're doing to uh, present yourself without words factor into building trust and a lot of those happen before you've even greeted the customer. So you don't want to mess that up. The next thing that I want to talk about is 
asking permission. So one of my favorite things to do on the sales floor is ask customers permission. And, and I, I do this in consulting opportunities too, because I think it's respectful and I think it builds trust. And again, like sales cannot happen without trust in, in most situations. Like if there's no trust, um, someone's only buying something from you because they absolutely have to. And that is generally uh, not the case in our industry, that there, there needs to be trust. So asking permission, one of my, one of my favorite things to do when um, I'm going through the sales process on the floor with a customer, we'll go through the greeting and I have you know, a, a, a formula that I go through that, that helps me connect with the customer. It's not inauthentic, but it's, it's, it's very similar every single time. After I've gone through the greeting and, and I know that they're in here to look at a fireplace, I'll say something to the effect of, well, I'm so glad you came in today. And we have fireplaces for all kinds of different situations. I'd love just to learn a little bit about your project. So that way I can understand what's going to be best. And I, I can show you the options that'll work just for you. Would you mind having a seat and, and going through a few questions? So that's very non-threatening. I've just explained to them why I need to know certain things. So I've said, we have all kinds of fireplaces and I only want to show you the ones that are right for you. So to do that, I need to ask you some questions, right? So I've just paved the way. I've just told them what's going to be coming next, but now I've asked them permission. If you can do this for your customers, explain what's next, but show them how what you're about to do next is in their best interest. Sometimes I've seen salespeople just like blindside customers with questions in a very threatening way and customers get like really turned off by it. So always pave that way. Hey, we have fireplaces for all kinds of different situations. Now, I'd love to learn a little bit about your project. So that way I can show you exactly what will work just for you. Um, would you mind having a seat and just um, answering a few questions about, about what you're looking for? It's very non-threatening. You're showing them it's in their best interest and them giving you permission is a powerful tool to build trust and gain credibility. Now, what I like to do next, and we'll talk about this in a minute when we get to the understanding part of the sales process, but when I am asking customers questions, I have a lot of them, like a lot. And um, what I'll do after you know so many questions is I'll usually say something like, you know, thank you for bearing with me. I'm sorry there's so many questions, but this really helps me get an understanding of your project. Do you mind if I if I just ask you a couple more things so that I can understand it? They'll always tell you yes, but again. It shows respect. It builds credibility. It's really powerful. After you understand the customer's problem, what I like to do is recap what they've just told me. And after that, I ask permission to show them a product. So I'll say, you know, hey, thanks so much for coming in. If I, if I understand your situation right, you mentioned that you have about a 1,500 square foot home and this is going to be going into the living room. Uh, I know you said that you remodeled your kitchen last year and it's, it's like a kind of a, like a grayish clean contemporary feel. So it's really important that the fireplace meets that, that same design. And I know you said that the fireplace is kind of drafty and it really is important to be getting some warmth out of this. Um, I know that you have gas in the fireplace and it sounds like that's going to be the, the best fit to just continue to burn natural gas. And is, is that a fair representation of your situation? And most of the time they'll say yes, but if there's something I missed, they'll point it out. And then I'll just say, oh, perfect. Well, there's a couple of fireplaces that I think could be a really good fit for you. Do you mind if we take a look at them? It's very non-threatening. And, and every single step of the way, you're asking permission. This is powerful. And, and you might be listening, thinking like, who has time for this? Like, my customers don't want to mess around with that. Like, they just want answers. I'm telling you, they don't. Like, 
if a customer will not answer these questions or they're giving you like, no, like don't ask me questions about my situation. Um, it's because you're not doing a good job, like straight up. It's because you're not doing a good job. And, and I say that, uh, forcefully, but, but graciously too. think about this. Like if you go into a doctor and the doctor says, you say, you say, um, my foot really hurts. And the doctor goes, okay, well, can you tell me a little bit about where it hurts? And, and you like, would you ever say like, no, don't ask me these questions. Get me to surgery right now. It's not going to happen. The same thing's true with your customer. If your customer starts to get annoyed at you because the questions that you're asking, I, I truly believe that it is because you have not framed it well enough. If you frame it, how this is in their best interest. And this is true even for like a cash and carry customer. That's just like, I just want a cheap stove, you know, get in, get out. There are still ways to ask them questions and make sure this is going to be the right fit and have them be thankful for it. As I shop around and this is going to, this is going to carry into the next thing that I want to talk about. But as as I do a lot of secret shopping, I don't believe that I have ever been to a store that has adequately had a process for understanding my problem as a customer. I don't think I ever have. I got to think about this, Um, but it just doesn't happen. Salespeople are too quick. They're too quick. And within like 30 seconds of me coming into the store, we're looking at a product which destroys trust with a customer and it commoditizes what you do. You might think, oh, my customers are in a rush. They're busy. They don't have time. It's because you haven't framed it well enough. You need to sell them on why it's so important to ask them questions, which is why you need to frame it as, hey, we have fireplaces for all kinds of different situations. And um, I'd love to learn a little bit about your specific project. So that way I can show you exactly what'll work for you. You know, they're not going to say, oh no, show me the stuff that won't work for me. Like no person is going to say that. So you need to work on framing it. And what you're doing is like, this is sales. You are selling them on the, the ability to, to ask them questions. And, and that's really powerful. Okay. So we've talked about sales being a performance art. We've talked about the idea of asking customers for permission. I want to spend some time on a formula. So In the sales process that I recommend, step two is understand the customer's problem. Step three is advise a solution. We're going to skip step four for now. We're going to get to that later in this podcast. And step four is make a plan. But step five is call to action. Okay, so think about this. Understand their problem then advise a solution, and then call to action, okay? So this goes back to Tim Rethlake 101, and he used different words for it, but but if Tim Rethlake was talking to you about this sales process, here is exactly what he would say. He would say, if you think about understanding, advising, and calling to action, which one should take the most time? Think about that. Understanding the customer's problem, advising them a solution or calling them to action. Which one should take the most time? Well, Tim says, and I believe him, that understanding the customer's problem should take the most time. Because if you spend this much time, and you can't see me right now, but I'm stretching my arms really wide. If you spend this much time understanding their problem, it doesn't take as long to advise a solution because I understand their problem. If, if I understand the problem and have advised a solution that is laser specific to solving that problem, it doesn't take that long 
to call them to action, right? So, so imagine this. My arms are really wide right now. Understand the problem. And then my arms shrink in a little bit. And then this is how much time it takes to advise a solution. And then now my arms shrink in where they're like an inch apart from each other. That's how long it takes to call to action. That is a slow is fast approach to selling. Now, if you go the other way, it becomes fast as slow. And I see this all the time. So, and I apologize if I've secret shopped you, um, you can write me an email and uh, I'll, I'll apologize. And, and just actually as a side note, if you ever catch me secret shopping your business, if you send me an email, I will give you totally honest feedback on what you did well and what, what could be improved. So I'm just throwing that out there. If that's ever the case, please reach out to me. But what always happens when I go into a business is I'm never asked enough questions up front. You know, they find out how many square feet I have. They find out that I want to burn gas. And usually someone will say, are you looking for an insert or a direct vent? And again, think about me as a consumer. They don't know. So literally every single time, what do I say? I say, I think I'm looking at an insert. And I'm telling you, like most salespeople don't even push any further. They just go, oh, okay, we got inserts over here. And I literally just gave the answer that any consumer would give. I think I'm looking at an insert because that's like, what's an insert? I think it's something that goes in a wall. So salespeople will get like really far down the path, like telling me all these features and benefits and they've been in business for 45 years and they do this and this, but because they don't know anything about my situation, they jump from product to product to product to product. And I'll be like, oh, well, what about this one? So they'll derail their entire conversation to go to this one. And I'll be like, oh, well, what about this one? They'll derail everything to go to that. And they, and now they're selling against what they've already told me about. All that could be avoided if the right questions would have been asked on the front end. Because when I say, what about this? They could say, that's a great fireplace for some situations, but based on what you said, it's actually not going to work inside of your home. Okay, perfect. My question's answered. We can stay focused. When you don't have that understanding of the problem, you're done. Now, what always happens whenever I say like, I think I'm looking at an insert and someone starts showing me an insert. And and just as a side note, like whenever I secret shop, I literally will talk about my house or like a house that I'm very familiar with as if I was that customer. So like, I don't try to throw any like curveballs or anything. And literally if someone ever like asked me for an address, like I'll give my actual address. So I'm not trying to be deceitful here. I'm trying to help um, people get better and, and understand the marketplace. But when someone's showing me an insert, I will just kind of dangle something that makes them realize I actually have a ZC fireplace. And by this point, we're 30 minutes in and I can just see how frustrated they get on the inside. And they just, they think I'm stupid. They can't believe that like this is, they've wasted all this time. Now they jump to a ZC fireplace, but the momentum is gone. They're not interested anymore. And it just unravels very, very quickly. That's called fast is slow. They went fast. They didn't understand my problem. And now we get to go slow. And now if you're going to call me to action, it will take forever because I've got all these questions that weren't addressed early on because you didn't understand my problem. You showed me 50 different products and now like good luck trying to call me to action on them. Does that make sense? Right? So take the most time understanding and then it doesn't take as much time advising a solution. And then finally the call to action is very, very simple. When, when I do exercises with teams, I, I find even in practice, so like even in practice when teams know this is coming, the average salesperson spends, you know, a minute, minute and a half understanding my problem. And, and this isn't meant to shame anybody because this is difficult. Like this is why sales is very, very hard is that you have to ask the same question like five times sometimes to really understand it. And my message is always never show a product 
unless you understand the problem. Don't do it. You cannot like talk yourself into the right product without understanding their problem. And some people try to like just start showing something and they'll figure it out on the fly and, and it really doesn't work. So so do the hard work and if you really aren't understanding it, just apologize to the customer. Say, I'm, I'm sorry, like, I don't mean to be dense. I'm really trying to understand this. Can you explain to me one more time? It's powerful. Another thing that's really good is to take notes and not just notes, but actually to have a, a template of questions or or checklists that you can go through with the customer. I personally do this and I wouldn't have it any other way. Now, I mean, a lot of the time I'll just use, use Wi-Fi or that's what it's built for. But for a dealer that doesn't have Wi-Fi, what I'll do is I have like a eight and a half by 11. It's got 10 questions on it and it's got check boxes of like, tell me about your space. And there's, you know, a spot just to take notes. How many stories is your home? Is this project going to be on an inside wall or an outside wall? What did you want to burn? What were you hoping to get out of this fireplace project? Have you seen anything else that you've liked so far? You know, you go down the list. And and what I love about this is I don't have to remember it. So like if I've had a bad morning and I'm busy, it doesn't matter. All the right questions are still going to get asked. So I'm documenting and, and I'm thinking through the process, doing it the same way every time, which gets me better and better and better at it. And it also allows me to really listen. So if they say something that's weird or different, I know it and I can jump in and I can, I have a, a notepad right in front of me to take notes on what the customer's situation is. You know, some salespeople think like, I'm not a robot. I'm not going to use a form with my customers. I've been doing this 20 years. Honestly, it's a bad excuse. Like it's, it, it's a bad move. It just is like, guess what? Like carpenters use hammers, even though, um, if they wanted to, they could try to pound that nail in with their hands. Like professionals use tools a professional framer for a house still follows a blueprint. They're not like so good that they don't need one. And the same is true with, with having a basic form to understand the customer's problem. Now, okay. A couple tactics with this. I've seen it done on an iPad. Um, I've seen it done on a computer. I've seen it done on a handwritten form and I'm okay with any of them. The thing to be aware of is you do not want to make your customer uncomfortable. So, uh, when someone walks into a showroom do not have an iPad in your hand when you walk over to them. Like it's, it's, that's terrible, right? I feel like, uh, I'm at the Verizon store, which is like the worst place to ever go besides, I guess the Verizon store, the Comcast store and the DMV are like the three worst places on earth to go. And, um, at, at Verizon and Comcast, you just feel like a slab of meat. Someone's just like coming up to you, shoving an iPad in your face and trying to get information out of you. So don't do that. Don't have the iPad, don't have your clipboard or anything with you. Go greet the customer, get to know them a little bit, and then ask them permission. Hey, would you want to sit down with me? I'd love to learn a little bit about your project, so that way I can show you the options that'll work just for you. Now you go sit down, now you pull out a clipboard, and sometimes I'll even say, do you mind if I take a couple notes? They'll always say yes. But now is the time to get out that iPad or your computer or the clipboard, ask those non-threatening questions, reference it a lot, You know, write their name on it, use their name. That's a very, very powerful way to grow a good sales process in your showroom. And, and, and frankly, if you're tapped out on salespeople, you can take somebody from the office and train them to use this form and then just go hand it to a salesperson afterwards. We'll get back to our conversation about a sales process in just one minute. Well, hey, I know you've heard about it, but if you have not yet downloaded the Firetime Magazine app, you're losing, period. And the reason I can say that without sounding arrogant is that 
I don't write most of the content for this magazine. We have an unbelievable team of contributors who are producing truly like the best content I have ever seen for this industry. So whether you're a business owner, a service technician, an installer, or a salesperson, get a hold of this magazine. It is totally free, and in every single issue... There are articles and interviews that give you the best practices to get better. Did I mention that it's free? It doesn't cost you anything. If you want to advance yourself in your career, whether you're going to stay in this industry or not, you need to learn to become a professional, and this magazine can help you do it. To download the Firetime magazine absolutely free, go to itsfiretime.com slash app. That's itsfiretime.com slash app. Okay, so we want to take uh, the, the lion's share of the time understanding, and then it doesn't take as much time to advise, right? Because if I've got all the information that I need, I'm not showing you 30 different things. I'm probably showing you two fireplaces, maybe three, and I'm going to work with you because I understand your problem to help you narrow it down very quickly. Now, when it comes time to call to action, it's really taking care of itself, right? Like we've looked at the options out there. I understand the problem. I've advised the customer on how this is going to be right for them. The natural next step is to, is the call to action. And, and I'm telling you this time ratio of starting with a lot of time on understanding and then really zooming in and, and narrowing the scope when it comes to call to action. It's very, very true. I think that the, the missing link in this, right? So remember, we talked about how step two of the sales process is understand their problem. Step three is advise a solution. Step four is make a plan. And then step five is call to action. I want to talk about step four, make a plan. And, and, and this comes from the company StoryBrand. There's a great marketing book called Building a StoryBrand. And they talk about this in the context of marketing. But I think it's very true uh, in retail sales. So think about this. How many of your customers on the retail floor have bought a fireplace before? Uh, Not many. Most of them haven't. And if they had, um, it's probably a a while ago. So because it's unfamiliar, there are a lot of steps involved. Like think about everything that has to go into getting a fireplace, even just from the customer's end, right? They got to come into the showroom. You probably need to write them up an estimate. Uh, Someone needs to get out to their house to take a look at it, to verify that this is going to be safe then there's going to be an installation. Maybe that installation is two trips or three trips. There's probably going to be an inspection in there. there. There's a lot of things involved. Now, a customer doesn't necessarily know that when they come in. And they're nervous. Like, you know, how many of you guys love to just like go drive to a car dealership just to like be talked to by a salesperson? No one. I mean, like unless you're sick like me and, and just like love secret shopping businesses, um, it, it just doesn't happen. So, so whether you like it or not, they think about you like someone selling cars. When they walk in, that's how they feel. Their guard is up and uh, they it's, it's, it's a total fight or flight thing where they're nervous and, and you say the right thing, like they're going to either puff up or be gone. So this is where make a plan comes in. And, and I would say anytime you're dealing with something unfamiliar, tell the customer what will happen next. Explain the process, paint lines on the court. So if a customer comes in, and this is amazing to do during the greeting process. And they, you know, you come in, you say, "Hey, how you guys doing today?" And and they say, "Oh, we're doing great. Um, you know, we're excited that it's so nice outside." You can make a joke about that, and then you say, uh, "Oh, is this your first time in the showroom?" They say, "Yeah, it is." You ask them, "Oh, how'd you hear about us?" Right? You've heard me talk about all this stuff with greeting before. If not, go back and listen to our podcast episode about about greet the customer. But one of the best things I like to do at this point is right before we move into understanding their problem. 
I love to explain the next steps that are about to happen. So you say, awesome. Well, we really appreciate you coming in and buying a fireplace. It it can be a confusing process because it doesn't happen very often. So here's what we try to do with all of our customers. First, when you're in the showroom today, we want to show you all the options that are available. And before you leave, write you up an estimate for your project. So that that way you have an idea of what this is going to cost. Second, we'll send somebody out to your house free of charge. Now, maybe you charge for this. It's okay. You're still sending someone out to their house. We're going to send someone out to your house to take a look at it and just make sure that everything is safe before installation. Third, we're going to make sure that this product gets installed safely and is inspected by the city or the county, you know, whoever the jurisdiction is, to make sure that all of the work has been done to code. Okay, so what have you just done? You've just alleviated the fear of the unknown. They know what's next now. They know that the goal of them coming in is to find out what's going to work and be presented an estimate. Why? So that that you benefit from it? No. So that they understand the cost of their project. It's the whole reason that they came in, but you're framing it as something in their best interest. Second, you're going to send somebody out to the house. Now, this could be you. This could be a subcontractor. There's all kinds of different business models, and you can change these steps, but like these are just the steps that I've used before. Someone's going to come to their house and take a look at it. Make sure everything is safe. That's in their best interest. Third, we're going to get this installed for you safely and have someone from the city come out to inspect it to verify the work is done to code. You've just given them a three-step plan. Now, there might be more things involved. My recommendation is that the step really stay at three like maybe you can go to four or five if you have to but really everything can be broken down into three basic steps later on in the relationship you can get into the nuance of like okay we have a confirmation call here's when we're going to schedule the inspection but this is first impression this is the first date with the customer you don't need to vomit everything on them but you want to honestly give them the steps to solving their problem now when you show them fireplaces and you say let's get an estimate written up for you You're not pulling this out of thin air. When you pull it out of thin air, again, fight or flight. They think, what are you trying to do to me? Why are you doing this? No, I don't need an estimate. I'm just here to look. You've already told them ahead of time that this is what you're going to do. So now when you do it, it's natural. And I'm telling you more often than not, they're going to say yes. Next is, you know, the in-home visit. Again, they already know it. You, You write the estimate up and now you can say, hey, what do you say we get a time scheduled for our estimator to come out? And they'll take a look at it. They're going to make sure that we haven't missed anything, that there's nothing unforeseen, and that everything is totally safe to get ready for installation. Again, they know that it's in their best interest and you have have marked out the path for them. So I love this. Now, this is step four in the sales process for a reason. So, So you just heard me say, actually, I like to do this early on. But the reason I do it early on is because I want to plant that seed. Now, again, in the same way that I say, I'd love to sit down and and learn a little bit about your project so that I can show you the options that'll work for you. We we talked about that earlier. I'm doing the same thing. I'm telling them what's next. So there's no surprises. And this is powerful. Like when it comes time to write the estimate, to to schedule the in-home visit and and even take that deposit, if you can explain what's going to happen before, customers are much more likely to work with you. When you don't explain it, sometimes people are like, well, let me write you up a quote. Well, who's, who does that benefit? How does that benefit me as the customer? I know how that benefits you as the salesperson. You get my address, you get my phone number, but I don't know how it benefits me. And again, like sales, this is a game of psychology. Like the customer is in a threatening environment. And even if they like you, like their guard is up. So you have to present these things in a way that benefits them and explain how 
following these steps is going to solve their problem. When you when you remove explaining the steps and making a plan, your customers don't know why you're asking what you're asking and they take it as a threat. So every step of the way, you know, when it comes to making your confirmation calls for installation, you should explain the steps of the installation. When your installers get out to the house, they should explain the steps of what they're going to do. When they when your light off technician comes out for the the final touch before um, you know your your company is out of the picture, they should explain maintenance, the steps of how to use it. Like customers need this information, and from a sales perspective, this is a Donald Miller analogy. He he gives the example of like your customers when they come into your store, they've got this big problem, and that problem is like a giant river. You've heard me tell this story before. As you explain the steps in the process, you're putting rocks in the river. So, okay, first I step here, then I step here, then I step here. So if you explain that, it's much easier to get a customer to accept a written estimate. Again, because they know it's in their best interest, they will most often allow you to send somebody out to the house. Now that you've sent somebody out to the house, think about this, psychologically, they're already like three quarters of the way across that river. And even though there's not money exchanged, there's skin in the game. And that's powerful because they're three quarters of the way across that river. They can see the solution to their problem. It's just on the other side. If they choose to go with somebody else who doesn't explain the steps and has a bad process, they're going to have to backtrack what they've already done and now jump in a river and swim when there's no rocks in it. So this is a really powerful concept of explaining the steps. And I think as just a general communicator, I would highly advise telling your customers what you're going to do before you do it. If you can remember these things, I mean, you're going to be a great salesperson. I, I don't know if I've told this story before, but uh, a while back I was looking for a, a car and I went into CarMax and they did exactly this. It was an amazing experience where I walked in and I don't buy cars very often. My guard is totally up. And someone sat down with me and just said, you know, hey, Tim, thanks a ton for coming in. Obviously, this is after they, they got my name and greeted me and everything. They said, thanks for coming in. You know, buying a car can be really confusing. And so we, we try to do the same thing every single time with our customers. First, we want to have one of our advisors sit down with you. And we want to understand what you're looking for in a car. And we can show you all of the inventory that we have available. Second, we'd like to take you for a test drive in however many cars you'd like to make sure that you're comfortable in it. And then third, we can have you drive away safely today. So they painted the picture for me. I knew what I was getting into. And I'm telling you, like I knew what they were doing and it was still so powerful. So if you can do this for your customers, you're going to find that you're a force to be reckoned with. Now, if you want, you know, details on each of these seven steps of the sales process. Like I said, we have past podcast episodes on that, but, but your team might be starting from scratch and, and seven steps, you know, you, it may cripple them if they've never had any kind of organization. So going out today, just take one of these things, right? Sales is a performance art. What's that mean for your team, right? Like I've literally been on sales floors when people are smoking cigarettes in the showroom. I, I, I see people with like a big wad of chew in their mouth. Like what does that mean for the customer, right? When you've got like a, a hat hanging way over your head, when you're dressed badly, just think about that. What does it mean that sales is a performance art? You could also talk to your team about this. Like, what if we spent more time understanding? I mean, I would recommend like do live sales practice. One of my favorite things to do when I'm working with companies is we do live sales practice of just the understanding phase over and over and over and over again until it becomes second nature. Practice that, you know, spend the lion's share of your time understanding, 
and then it doesn't take as long to advise and call to action takes care of itself. That's a powerful concept to relate to your team. And then finally, explain the steps. Think about the steps that it takes for your customer to buy from you. Break it down to three. Like I said, maybe four, maybe five, but try to keep it at three and explain that every single time. I'd recommend doing it early, but especially before you call them to action, explain the steps, right? So if you think about this, you understand their problem. Now you advise a solution on a particular fireplace, but before you call to action, you explain the steps again. Now that we understand your fireplace, this is what happens next. First, we'll get you a written estimate for your project, just so that way you understand exactly what the budget is. Second, we'll send a professional to come out to your house and take a look at everything. We don't charge for this, but it's going to guarantee that nothing is missed and that this installation is going to be safe for you. Third, we're going to get this installed and inspected so you know the work was done to code. Okay, you've just explained the steps. Now you say, what do you say we get you a written estimate? Okay, you just explain the steps, how it's going to benefit them and how taking this step of a written estimate will lead them to their solution, they will say yes more often than not, okay? So I I hope that this is powerful. It's big for me, and I could talk forever about it, but understanding these basics will make a difference, and I'm telling you, most businesses in our industry don't. They're going too fast, they've gotten too sloppy, and they don't care about their customers the way that they should. You can change that and do something different. Well, I hope you all got tremendous value out of that conversation. For me, I get so excited talking about sales process because it's something that can give you instant results. I, I, I do work from time to time as, as like a fractional sales manager for companies, like kind of like how some companies get a fractional CFO, like a part-time CFO to, uh, to help them. I actually do that from time to time, helping manage sales teams remotely. And, and we always dive deep on practice. And Once we can get past the fear and the bias of like, oh, I don't need a process, like I've got it figured out, I've been doing this for however long, when we can get past all that garbage and get to the heart of it, it is amazing to see how a sales process helps people come alive because they start to understand why they operate in certain ways. They start to understand why certain things work and how to push into it. It it is powerful. And, And I'll just tell you for me personally, like, Sales process is life. It really is. Like when you meet somebody that knows how to communicate, that's empathetic, that understands your needs and your fears and can help you find a solution for it, that is powerful. Like when you meet somebody that that is not self-aware, doesn't care how they come across, isn't a good communicator and is only interested in themselves, I mean, that's a person that really doesn't have a sales process for their life. But I would actually argue in a marriage, in a friendship, in a business partnership, you got to understand sales process and there's nothing sleazy about it. I believe that sales is service. That That if you go into this with a heart of generosity, genuinely wanting to make someone's life better... Sales becomes an unbelievable tool to just give a gift to whoever it is that you're selling to. And ultimately, when we're on the retail sales floor, I tell this to teams that I coach all the time, like, don't get me wrong. If we are not the right solution for this customer, we're going to let them know before anybody else. So like, don't accuse me of like, well, Tim's just trying to get people to buy stuff. Well, I kind of am most of the time. But when we're not the right fit, we're going to let them know. But really, like, we are the right fit probably 95% of the time. So let's make it easy for customers to do business with us by following the steps of a sales process. Now, 
As we round out, if this podcast has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website patreon.com slash itsfiretime. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash itsfiretime. And it means the world just to see how many people are supporting this. And, and whether you give a little bit or a lot, I can tell you that all of the money goes to outsourcing the administrative costs of this podcast, helping us with equipment, and truly, your contributions have actually set me free to help create the Firetime Magazine. Like, literally, the Firetime Magazine would not have been created if I was still having to do all of the administrative duties of the podcast day in and day out, because there's a lot of them. So it's an amazing blessing that we do not take lightly. And and we want you to see the fruit of our labor with things like the Firetime Magazine. And we have plans for, for future things as well. So I hope you guys have an amazing rest of the week. If you have a sales team or if you work with anybody that is in sales, have them listen to this podcast and and start practicing. Like live sales practice is a game changer. And I know that the information in this episode is going to give you a jump start on that. So have an amazing rest of the week. I cannot wait to talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.